All right, since Ryan retired from talking first, I did. I'm here to welcome you to fill me in. This is Fill Me In. So, uh, coming up on today's episode, we have two contests. Two! We have Fiction with Thomas Heilman. Fiction! And we have our regular features. Our! <laughs> All of that and more after this music. Here, bro. Are, are we are we back from the music? We are back. Do you need music. to bring us back from the music? Viewer mail, opening it up. This is this now. Now this is from uh, Joe Cabrera. Yes, who we met at uh, in Boston. And this is uh, this is two weeks old because we screwed up. Uh, I screwed up actually. I'm, I'm just going to be upfront about it. I uh, take the responsibility of printing out the viewer mail so that we have them in front of us to read on the air. And somehow this one slipped. Through the cracks, and so I didn't well, print it last week, and we didn't read it last and week. And this week, we have reached our hands down into that crack, and we have brought it back up. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. So, well, you carry around the viewer mail bag, so you do all the reaching. So I'm not. I, I refuse to read. This is titled Thunder Mail. Thunder Mail. Yes. Bzzzt. He begins. <laughs> Introductions. I met you both very briefly while I was working at the Boston Crossword Tournament, but I didn't introduce myself. Since things were kind of busy and my name would have been meaningless to you, so hello! I've been listening pretty consistently for the last few months. 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 Months? <laughs> so he goes on to say, the best pizza in Boston or Cambridge. Yes. Everyone says Santarpio's in East Boston has the best pizza, but I've never been there. I have enjoyed the pizza at Boston, at Boston Pizza on Newberry Street in Boston, as well as Pinocchio's in Cambridge. Crossword construction ACPT competitor Will Johnston introduced me to that second one. Uh, right. So, so Santarpios. Santarpios. Who, who, who asked us this question to begin with? Uh, it was Amanda that asked us, and we forwarded the question to Mike Nothnagel, and he said he had no idea. But now we've gotten responses from June Pock and from Joe Cabrera. Yes. And June also said Pinocchios. Really? Yeah. So there, we, I think we so have a consensus. Now two votes for Pinocchios. And one vote for Mike Nothnagel having no clue. Right. Okay, so there we go. So somebody go to Pinocchio's, take a picture, send it to us, and we'll post it. That sounds like a great plan. Uh, Joe goes on to say, poutine. (laughs) I love going to Montreal. He even puts the accent over the E. Wow. Yes. That's fancy. It is very fancy. I didn't even know my printer could do accents. Oh, it can. Wow. Yes. Can you read this now with an accent? Sure. Okay. I love going to Montreal. (laughs) Stop, stop, stop. And I love... What? Uh, no, that's not an accent. That's a horrible, horrible voice. That's an accent. No. No, I really think you're wrong. Okay, then do it any way you like. All right. And I love gravy on my french fries. I have it I picked up in college from a classmate who had seen Diner one too many times. But poutine is gross. It's like Little Miss Muffet threw up in her Happy Meal. I disagree wholeheartedly. Okay, I'm going to side with Joe Cabrera on you this. You have never had poutine. And that's why I'm going to side with Joe Cabrera, because if he's right, I don't ever have to have it. I like it. Okay. French fries, gravy, and cheese curds. And gravy. Delicious. Right. Two, two, two helpings <laughs> of gravy. Sandwich. That's how you described it to me I, before. It was. Okay. It was. Bzzzt. Nicknames. How do you guys keep track of all those wacky nicknames you come up with anyway? Do you have cheat sheets pasted onto each other's foreheads? That's my theory until you do a video podcast that proves otherwise. How do we keep track of these? Uh, we these have nicknames? cheat sheets that we've pasted onto each other's foreheads. We do. Uh, we don't. Um, I don't know that we actually have a system of remembering them. I think we've proven many, many times over that we fail to remember them accurately. Yes. Uh, but then again, I guess we've said them enough times that they just sort of... It becomes second nature. 
to the point that even in idle conversation that Ryan and I are having outside of the podcast studio and outside of the auspices of crossword puzzles, he still uses nicknames. Yes. In casual conversation. So do you. I have been known to do that. I just do it more. I do it more because I know it irritates you. Yes. You also talk more, so that's it balances out. It does. How does that balance out exactly? I don't know. (laughs) Loving the podcast. Until next time, make mine Ryan and Brian. Sign Joe Cabrera. Boston Ma. I think he means Boston, like Boston, Massachusetts. Like he that's might, where he's but writing it's from. Spelled Boston Ma. So is that is is that are we anointing him with that nickname? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we could try it for now. You seem to be unenthused. I am unenthused by that. Why? Uh, well, because you know, typically when you write into a show or you write into a magazine, you sign it with your name and your hometown, and you know that's sort of standard. Explain to me what is typical about this show. Well, nothing, and that's why I am actually leaving the door slightly open for you. A on jar. This nickname. Yes, a jar. Thank you. Yes. Is there another nickname that you would prefer? Nope, not yet. All right, so at this point... So for now, Joe Cabrera, Boston Ma. For now. For now. Oh, is that the whole thing <laughs> now? It's Joe Cabrera, Boston Ma for now? Right. Okay. <laughs> See, this is how it happens. This, this is how it happens. Okay, so uh, Joe, thank you. Uh, for writing in. Yeah, and uh, very sorry that we uh, had to push your mail totally to a week later. Totally our fault. It'll never happen again. You write to us, it goes on the next show every time. We actually will do a special show. Just for you. Exactly. Uh, our next viewer mail comes from Neville Fogarty. It is titled Viewer Mail. Ryan, Brian, and your intelligent monkey. Not to be outdone by Mike Nothnagel, pen pal extraordinaire, and man about town, I resorted to looking up the word squishy. The first definition is being soft, yielding, and usually damp. But that's not, wait, that's not Mike Nothnagel's Yeah, I know. Nickname. I was going to sort of let that pass for now and you come were? back to it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We can address it. It's, it's wrong, correct? It's wrong, correct. <laughs> it's correct. It is not both wrong and correct. It is wrong. It is comma. A, wrong. B, correct? A. A. It is wrong. Mike Nathanagel's nickname is Pen Pal Extraordinaire and Constructor of the Friday Puzzle. Uh, Doug Peterson is Crossword Gentleman and Man About Town. Yes. Now, Neville Fogarty certainly strikes me as quite the intelligent fellow. I am certain that he knows this. Right. And he's done this just to toy with us. Now, as, as we all know, Mike Nathanagel cannot be a Man About Town because he never leaves his apartment. He doesn't. He never goes anywhere. Although we've seen him in two other places that are not I'm his not apartment. Exactly, I'm not convinced that's him. We've seen him at the ACPT and at Lollapazoola. I don't know. I think he might be... We saw him in two places that act- were not his apartment. He actually might be 95 years old and have a beard down to his ankles. Should I just start over again? <laughs> no. No, it's very good. Uh, the first definition is being soft, yielding, and usually damp. Now, by this definition, I believe that the hamster in a bathtub proposed by Mike Nothnagel must be squishy and that your judgment of squishy by default is accurate. Ergo, anything soft and wet must be squishy and our solution set is empty. See, this is why I think Neville's a smart guy. Yeah. Because he says stuff that I don't understand. Right. What's a solution set? Uh, we. I, I will ask Mike Nathanagel. Yeah. I think it's a math thing, so I think Mike will actually Wait, know shouldn't this. Shouldn't you know? Why? I'm but a musician. You know a little bit about math. I know very little bit about math. All right. So, A, what's a solution set? Uh, and B, is it empty? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, furthermore, I'm still in Neville's email. Furthermore, we have a second definition. Not firm, steady, or fixed. Uh-huh. Soft. It lists synonyms lenient, as in squishy judges, and imprecise, as in squishy estimates. So one needn't be wet to be squishy. I doubt that Vic, the gavel Fleming, would consider himself squishy by either definition. 
Also, I'm curious to learn more about this A-cliff that the viewer mail song is written in. I've yet to encounter it after two terms of music theory. Ryan, would you consider writing a music theory textbook? I have, I have considered that, but I'm still, I'm still working on completing Ben Tossig's uh, thesis. Oh, okay, so you have to finish writing his thesis. Once I finish his thesis... Then you can move on to writing a music theory textbook? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Should I finish Neville's email? Go ahead. Okay. Cheers, Neville Fogarty. <laughs> Thank you for finishing There that. it is. And that is the viewer mailbag. It is. Viewer mail, closing it up. Going on to Tyler's contest. If you remember last week, uh, Tyler, we had Tyler Hinman on the show. He, he, he provided us with a lovely contest with uh, uh, all the answers were baseball terms. We had numerous people. Right in with the answers. And we said uh, that the first person who wrote in with all the correct answers would win a prize. That, that, was, that was what we did last week, and that is no longer going to be our system. But, for the, for but this it's still contest, in play for this contest. So the first person who wrote in with all the correct answers was... June Pock, Squirrel of Discord. Exactly. And so he will win a prize. But first, let's go. Let's quickly run down the answers. All right. Uh, and, and, and I'll quiz you to see if you remember what they are. 4-4, four, four, someone from Warsaw who swears a lot. Uh, foul pole. Four five. Nobleman after a big meal. Uh, full count. Six eight. Testing at a trampoline. Spring training. Four five. Salesman's unhinged approach. A wild pitch. Five six. Boxer who fights dirty by grabbing the skin. Uh, pinch hitter. Pinch hitter. Six four. Place where people walk with picket signs. Uh, I have no idea. Strike zone. Strike zone. Seven five. Song on a CD that gives a parental advisory. Uh, I don't know. Warning track. Oh. 7-7, seven, seven, rate at which one blinks flirtatiously. Batting average. 7-4, rude move on a girl. I don't know. Squeeze play. Squeeze play. These are all great. These were fantastic. I didn't know some of them. That was really embarrassing. Even though we've gotten the answers. I have no memory for anything. You really don't. I really don't. You don't. Um, so we're giving Should we away. do viewer mail? <laughs> <laughs> Took you a minute. It did take me a, a moment there. But, but uh, I... I'm back. Okay, good. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. So we're giving June Pock another copy of Stanley Newman's Crossword Shortcuts. We say another copy because it's been a prize before, but we've never given it to June We have before. never given it to June. So this is going to be, uh, June, just uh, email us your, your, what do you call it, an address? I think that's what you your, call it. Your physical address, and we'll send this off to you. Yes. Congratulations, June. And, and then somewhere down the line, I guess you and CrossCan can now have Stanley Newman Crossword Shortcut Battle Royales. Yes. Battles Royale. <laughs> Battles Day Royale. No, that was, uh, I don't know. Uh, so tell, tell us how, how we're going to work the contest this time. Well, this time uh, we're going we're gonna, to, uh, you know, give you the, the contest game, and then uh, you're going to write in with your answers, and we're going to select a winner at random from all of the correct answers, but there is still a deadline. You have to submit your answer by the time Ryan leaves work at the end of his Thursday night shift. Which is... Would, our, well, you know, do we need to say when it is? Well, it's sometime Friday morning. It's sometime Friday morning. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, sometime Friday morning. So, uh, so as long as your answer is to us, by the time Ryan leaves work at the end of his Thursday night shift, which is sometime Friday morning... The, 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 the next Thursday after this podcast is released. Uh, we, are, we are talking about Thursday, May 14th. Yes. And then the early Friday morning of May 15th, of yes. course. So somewhere in there is the deadline... It's not too specific, so I, I recommend you getting your answers in early. Yeah, we feel, and we feel like this is a little bit more fair for people who 
don't listen to the podcast immediately right. as soon as it comes. Yeah, out. we don't want to necessarily be a race to listen to the podcast. Although that would be fun too. That would be fun. We could do a different contest like that. Yes. Well, this week's contest comes to us from Peter Gordon, Triple Threat. Yes. Peter Gordon uh, has uh, given us a. Uh, this is just a, a one entry contest. Tyler's, of course, had seven or eight different, anth- uh, you know, different little. What am I looking for? I'm you. Uh, uh, entries. Sure. And uh, Peter uh, has sent us a contest with one thing. Here is Peter's contest. The one-word title of what 2007 documentary becomes a one-word classic 1960 film when the first vowel is changed from its short form to its long form? Could you repeat that, please? The one-word title of what 2007 documentary becomes a one-word classic 1960 film when the first vowel is changed from its short form to its long form? And the correct answer will be, uh, you'll send us the name of the 2007 documentary and the name of the classic 1960 film. Sure, send us both of those things. And that will be uh, the answer. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I think that one's fun. I, I like this one when Peter sent it to us. I figured it out. It took me a little while, but... I did not figure it out. I did figure now, it out. Now, here are our prizes. Peter Gordon, Triple Threat, was very kind, and he sent us a bunch of fantastic puzzle books. Uh, he has a series of books that go from Easy Monday to Cranium Crushing Friday. He actually has two series. This is from the second series of these books. And these, these are not New York Sun puzzles. These are... Right. But these are just a a collection of standalone puzzles that he edited and compiled together into these books? I believe so. I couldn't couldn't say for sure. But they are edited by Peter Gordon. They look fantastic. I actually want to order a set of these books for myself. uh, Because I do the sun puzzles, but I don't have these compilations. And I like them. And the book I have in my hand is the Cranium Crushing Friday Crosswords, number two book. And it's great. I'm just flipping through it. You've got Byron Walden... Got another Byron Walden, and they're not just regular puzzles. So, they so have. far we have two Byron Waldens. <laughs> right. I look, we have another Byron Walden here. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We just said his name without his nickname. It's oh. Byron Mike Nothnagel knows my middle name, Walden. And and they're, they're, they're great. They're, there's all kinds of different types of puzzles in here. Yeah, they look like they're a lot of fun. And so the winner of this contest has their pick any day of the week, Monday through Friday, one book. Uh, will be yours if you can answer the Peter Gordon puzzle. And if somehow you do not win, you can certainly buy this book on Amazon. Yep. Uh, there's 72 puzzles in it, and it's they're fantastic. So thank you, Peter, for providing the contest and the prizes. Yes, wonderful. Moving on to CrossCan's amazing spreadsheet. Now, just as should we recap what this is? Recap. So, so CrossCan, CrossCan, uh, one of our, our our good friend CrossCan from Canada, CrossCan winner of the contest. CrossCan winner of the contest. Uh, CrossCan compiled a spreadsheet in Microsoft Excel that lists every single person who has ever been mentioned on this program. Yes. In all 50, so far 52 episodes, today is 53, uh, and he's and he sent us an update, including those from 52 to his previous spreadsheet, which had been through 51. Oh my, it's just amazing. I, I It's just... It is. I, I'm bubbling forth with, 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 with prepositions. Bubbles I don't and- know. I, I'm... I'm I'm stuttering, I'm stammering, I'm useless. So what we're going to do, uh, and eventually we are going to post this to the blog. We haven't figured out exactly how to do that. Yeah, but we want to sort of keep it playful and have a game of some and, and sort. So, but it. at this point, uh, what we're going to do is on the, the blog entry accompanying this podcast, we're going to list the top ten. Yep. And I'm sure some of you can guess already the top ten. Will Schwartz is in there. Yep. My wife is in there. Yep. Your Dan wife Fair, is in there. Amanda. Dan you Fair, know, some Amanda. of the people we talk about regularly. Now, if you want... To be in the top ten. We're not going to say where you are. You can write into us, but we won't tell you. 
But if you want to be in the top ten... <laughs> you can write it to us, but we won't tell you. Right. I don't think we should do anything to discourage people from writing it. No. I, I think if they write in, well, let's say that we will tell them, and then let's not tell them. Oh, okay, okay. Just something we want them to write. Write, write us, to us. Write us. Write to us, and we will tell you where you are. <laughs> Maybe. But we won't. <laughs> but if you want to be in the top ten, it's up to you. The ball is in your court. The brush is in your hands. You have to do something to get a mention on this show to move yourself up the rankings to get into that top ten. That's true. Anybody can be number one. Right now it's Will Shorts. Yeah. Who we mentioned. <laughs> We've now said his name a couple of times in this episode, yes. which ruins anybody else's chance of surpassing him this week. Right. But but it's anything is possible. Anything is. This is America. It is. Right. Sort of. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you, Crossken, for the spreadsheet, for the update. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Brilliant. And now, uh, uh, go ahead. <laughs> go no, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, our next uh, segment on the show, <laughs> our next segment on the show, we will be revisiting uh, a segment that we've revisited earlier. What? No, no. Our next segment on the show. Do you even know what our next segment on yes, the show I is? Yes, I had it right here. You're our not next, even reading. Our I'm, next segment on the show is Fiction with Thomas Heilman. So uh, get your uh, coffee cups, fill it with your hot chocolate. <laughs> Wrap yourself in a blanket and curl up by the podcast while we read to you fiction from Thomas Heilman. Should we, do we need to give it any context at all? Thomas Heilman has emailed us a bunch of times and he tells us these outrageous stories. That, well, we should uh, tell us what his nickname is. Well, it's Thomas Heilman as a boy. Yes. Uh, he has a whole bunch of stories that apparently happened to him. As a boy. Right. And involve he, animals. They all involve animals, and we seem to universally believe that only about half of what he tells us is true. Right. Well, let's see what happens in today's episode, <laughs> shall we, kids? This, uh, this story is titled, Cows and Kool-Aid. <laughs> Hi, guys. When I was a boy... <laughs> when I was a boy, I worked one hard summer on a dairy farm. After about a week of painting fences on the farm, it was time for us to go out to one of the fields and bale hay. Well, we didn't actually do the baling. We walked behind the baler and threw the tightly bound bales up into the truck. I was kind of scrawny then and started to struggle early in the throwing the bales into the truck thing. And when they got about three bales high, I couldn't get the bales I was tossing up into the truck over the ones that were already there. They just sort of bounce and fall back into the field. And there was this idiot spam sandwich eating Kool-Aid drinking farm boy named Homer who sat up there in the truck and just laughed like hell at me. It was humiliating. And I wish I could say that there was a happy end to this story. I did continue on following the truck, wailing the bales up against it only to have them bounce back down again, enduring Homer's spam-infused howls well into the evening. But I did not endure them well, and I did not get stronger through the evening, and I did not get stronger weeks later and walk over to Homer and pick him up by his collar and shake him like a rag doll until his bladder failed him. No, Homer tortured me all summer long, and he was in his glory come the next bailing episode. The guy who managed the farm would have none of my going out to bale hay again. He decided my skills could be put to better use inside the barn. Inside the barn was this lovely conveyor belt contraption that took the manure deposited by the cows and dumped it outside. This farm's conveyor belt was broken, and somehow the manure still had to get outside the barn. What made matters worse, however, was that that very day I was assigned to manure-moving duty, and a cow had given birth out in the field. For some reason, once a cow delivers a calf, they separate her from both calf and herd and bring her back into the barn. And that meant the cow deposited its afterbirth in the manure gutter. 
I'm sure you also now understand why I do not very much appreciate the recent soft, wet, and squishy segment of your podcast. <laughs> I've not gotten over Homer. If he's out there listening, would you please convey to him that even though it's now 40 years later, I'm still looking for him. I'm going to find him, and I'm going to kick his Kool-Aid-drinking ass. I'd actually appreciate it if you could make finding Homer part of your website's mission. Perhaps you could add a Homer sightings section. I'd appreciate it. And for your upcoming route map, you should know that the farm was along Route 422 in Kittening, Pennsylvania. Last point, in a recent podcast, you said you thought I was from California. I'm not. I was raised in Pennsylvania. I live in Maryland. And I work in Washington, D.C. Best, Tom Heilman. I thought he lived in California. Well, he might. I mean, if half of this stuff is wrong, maybe he really does live in California. Oh, that's true. I mean, what, what, do you believe this story? Do you think I this one's true? I believe half of this story. What half do you believe? Well, I believe that uh, the, the the guy's name was Homer, yeah. but he didn't eat Spam. He ate deviled ham. Oh, deviled ham. Yes. Is that the same as ham salad? No. A deviled ham and ham salad are not the no, same No, deviled thing? ham comes in a, in a can. Like Spam. But, but what is it? It's already like... Seuss book. <laughs> <laughs> Would you, could you in a barn? <laughs> Would you, could you on a farm? Those don't really rhyme. Oh, I tried. Uh, you know what? I think that this. I think that this is about half true. Although I, I do believe that he's not from California. I do believe he was raised in Pennsylvania. I believe now he lives in Delaware. Not really? Maryland. Yeah, I think he's just throwing us off the scent so that we don't find him. Well, we're going to need that for our route map. Yeah, I think we. Well, we definitely know where the farm is, though. We can find that Route Four Twenty Two in Kittening, Pennsylvania. Yes. Our next segment is. Puzzle of the Week. This week's puzzle is by Elizabeth C. Gorski. It came out on Thursday, May 7th. This is her 166th puzzle in the New York Times. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. That's a lot. It is a lot. This is a Rebus puzzle. Yes, we don't see too many of those. Not too many. Not lately we haven't. No. Uh, And this one, uh, the the main clue that that gives the the hint to the Rebus is 40 across. the, The clue is gets past a last difficulty. And the answer is rounds the corner. Yes. And uh, explain to us what the Rebus is. Well, in the four corners of the grid, you could basically just enter a circle into each of the four corners. uh, And that circle represents different words that are circles. Uh, But they were different for across and for down. So like one across, it would be hoopster. One across b-ball player, a hoopster. And so that first block is just a circle indicating hoop. But then one down, a New York City tour provider is a circle line. Yes. A circle line. It's that, is it a boat around the outside of Manhattan? Yeah, I can't imagine that anybody outside of New York City would know what a circle, what circle line tours is. I'm not sure. But it just, I have seen it in puzzles. Yeah. Every once in a while. Well, it works here. And so that satisfies the gimmick where we have the, you know, hoop and circle both represented by a ring of some sort there in the first box. Uh, we follow it six across was like the Grand Canyon or Fourth of July fireworks. Awe inspire ring with that ring being the circle in the final square. But 14 down, showtime at NASA, zero hour. Zero hour. So that circle, once again, serving two purposes. We had the same thing down in the bottom left, size zero crossing with ring in the new, and in the bottom right where crop circle crossed with hula hoop. Now this uh, broke a lot of rules of crossword puzzles, and I can only assume that Mr. Short's attendant got many, many emails and letters about now, this. Now what, what, what did it break? Well, it just because it, it going across the the word the, the the letters are different than going down. Well, they're not really letters; it's a symbol. No, I I, I totally understand. I'm, but I just think that traditionalists, the people who write in and are irritated by crossword. Oh puzzles, well, those who are irritated, I think definitely are irritated. I, and I think that this would spur on their irritation. 
This would agitate their irritation. Now, the next segment we have is our crossword tip of the quarter month. Yes. Today's crossword tip of the quarter month is going to be the concept of no Google. So it's not necessarily a tip. It's not really a tip. It's just sort of a story yes. or a conversation. A conversation. Maybe it's crossword conversation of the quarter month. Well, it's... it's uh... Maybe we should change the name of the segment to crossword conversation of the quarter month. Well, it, That's yeah. a little more alliterative. It is a little more alliterative. <laughs> so is a little alliterative. <laughs> Say that ten times. I don't think I will. No. A little alliterative. I can't even say it once. Now, the reason this subject came up between us is because Ryan and I actually had a small, not debate, but a discussion through the comments on our blog about the concept of no Googling. Ryan is uh, a fan of the applet on the New York Times website. I don't know if I'm a fan of the applet. Ryan loves the applet. (laughs) No, I don't know. No, I don't like the applet, so I don't use the applet. Uh, But Ryan's no Googling is to solve the puzzle in the applet on the website, and then uh, you click submit, and if you get it all right... It cheers for you. If you get it all wrong, it spits at you. I don't really know. Um, my, my, my thing is that I only use the applet. And if I have to use any other tool to help me solve the puzzle, then I consider that to be I have Googled it. I have not no Googled it. Uh-huh. Even even though there are some cheating things that you can do with the applet where you can – if you have one letter that you don't know and it's the last letter that you have, you can cycle through the alphabet and keep hitting submit until you get it correct. Right. Uh, what I do is I print out the grid and I solve it on paper. However, when I get stuck, I don't have a submit button, you know, to check whether that one letter I don't know is right or not. So what I often do when I'm stuck with one letter or a trivia box that I don't really know what to do with is I might turn to xwordinfo.com. Now, xwordinfo.com has, of course, a huge database of all of the puzzles and all of the clues and answers. And it, it has, you know, the next day's New York Times puzzle, but you can't see the complete solution. But if you know an individual word, you can search for that word and you can get a list of all the times that word's been used, including tomorrow's New York Times puzzle, if in fact that word is correct. Does that make sense? Am, yes. I, am I explaining that clearly? Very well. Uh, so when I'm stuck, as I have been on some puzzles in the past, um, I might go to Expert Info and just look up that word. It's the same thing as trying every letter of the alphabet. Like, all right, on Sunday's puzzle, Sunday, uh, it was a Patrick Berry puzzle, and 19 across, a year in Provence author, crossed with seven down, Jeff of the Traveling Wilburys. Now, this breaks another rule of mine, which is you've got two proper names, one of which is unusual, and they cross each other. That's not fair. And they cross each other at the unusual square. Now, the answers were Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, Jeff Lynn, and uh, Mail, M-A-Y-L-E, for they the author. cross at the Y. But they cross at the Y, and I felt like that could have been any vowel. And I didn't know what vowel it was. It could have been an I, it could have been an E, it could have been... Should I list all the vowels? I think people know what they are. We <laughs> could, we'll put them on the blog. <laughs> uh, so I had... Now, Y was... Uh, yeah, I guessed Y, and I was, you know... So and then I filled it in. But it's the same thing as with your applet business. If you tried A, well, that doesn't work. You tried E, I, and eventually you're going to get it right. How is that different from my no Google? I, 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 I feel like it's not different, but for whatever reason, my Saturday, as we've, as we've gone on and on and on about, my Saturday solving style is it takes me about 12 hours to solve a Saturday, if I can solve it. And if I've only, after, at the end of that 12 hours, if I've only used the applet, the applet is my only tool to solve this puzzle, and I finally click submit, and it finally says, thank you for playing, for whatever reason, that is much more satisfying than having to go to a different site and use their tools to try to figure out, without getting any answers necessarily, but using their tools to help me figure out what I've got right and what I've got wrong. 
Okay. And I think it's just a personal preference. I think it is, too. I... To be fair, I only go to one site because I don't use the applet. Right. So once I've printed out the puzzle, I'm only going to one site. Well, and I only go there at the very end when I'm stuck on a trivia box like I was with that one. Well, at the end of, of finishing a Saturday and having used Xword Info to confirm an answer or whatnot, and if you've gotten it all correct, do you have a very nice feeling of satisfaction? I rarely have a nice feeling well, of see, satisfaction so, about anything, so, ever. So, so, so our debate breaks down. <laughs> And that was the crossword tip of the quarter month. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, my God. Much like the power Thorn evoked when he wielded his hammer, Mutner, we now invoke that same power with the Thunder Round. <laughs> what? what is going on? Get them out of here. Oh, my God. You, who left the door to the studio open? Oh, it was probably me again. It was probably you again. Monday, May 4th by Mark Milhead. I don't want to talk about this one. I'm scared. Is it making you nauseous? Everything makes me nauseous. Tuesday, May 5th by Trip Payne. All these Zs made me think of when Gonzo ate a tire to Flight of the Bumblebee. Remember that? I could eat a tire. Wednesday, May 6th by Michael Calloway Barnhart. If you could control Alt-Delete anyone in the world, who would it be? The same nemesis I took on that cruise. Thursday, May 7th, by Elizabeth C. Gorski. Rounds the corner. Corner the market. Is this the Rebus puzzle that Amanda was talking about? Amanda must be psychic. That explains the shining light. Friday, May 8th, by John Farmer. This grid looks like a button. Isn't that what I said on the blog? Yes. Oh. Saturday, May 9th, by Brad Wilbur. Have you ever begun a begin? I'm beginning right now. You know, you look like a button. Zip it. Okay, you look like a zipper. Sunday, May 10th, by Patrick Berry. This puzzle was a hole-in-one. Really? An ace. Stop. A very fair way to treat us on the weekend. I'm getting teed off. I've never really taken a swing at golf. Join the club. Puns can be hazardous. You might have to cart us away. Mail drop. Mail drop.